This is Roy Hales with Cortez Currents, which you can also access at cortezcurrents.ca. Food security is a big issue on Cortez Island. There have been papers, studies, and roundtable discussions. But as Cortez Community Economic Development Association COVID Recovery Coordinator, Felipe Figuera has to deal with practical solutions, specifically what projects can CETA achieve in a year. He recently sat down with Cortez Currents in a wide-ranging discussion about the first steps towards food security that touched upon local farmers, the food bank, meals on wheels, and food storage. Along the way, Vegeta also touched upon longer-range questions, like how a food hub would work within the island's local economy. Some statistics of note, according to the Strathcona Community Health Network's 2019 profile, quote, Cortez Island's median household after-tax income is $34,432, unquote. That's $20,000 less than the Strathcona Regional District average. The Strathcona Housing Needs Assessment states that close to a quarter of the Cortez Island children and youth under the age of 17 are living in households whose income is below the poverty line. That data is now old. It's 2018. Housing costs have increased significantly since then. Inflation has increased significantly since then. And I think the need is going to be grow greater over the next couple of years, post-COVID. I think we're, we're facing a situation where there's more people who are likely to be food insecure going forward. And to get something in place, an infrastructure in place to be able to help them now is, is better than doing it later. How do you set up a, a sequence of achievable goals to start building towards that food security. And food security is a huge issue. It encompasses first the the people who are food insecure on the island, who are vulnerable to lack of food. Then you've got food producers, how can they be supported? You've got value-added food producers, how can they be supported? Then you have emergency situations where supply chains are cut or there's an emergency on the island and you've got enough food to support people on the island. So all these things build together and they all have different challenges, some because of global economy challenges. If you're a farmer on the island trying to produce food that's uh, economically viable and trying to compete with stores that are getting food imported at a fraction of, of the production cost here, How do you compete with that? And how do you level that playing field? Some of those are really difficult challenges. What we identified really is that one of the obvious easy wins is how can we better support the food insecure on the island? During COVID, actually, there was a lot of support for people who who were vulnerable or had low income and were facing challenges. Uh, Food bank usage across the Canada and, and the province declined over that period, which was great. But there's been a huge upswing since service has been cut. And as the consequences of not only that, we're recovering from the economic hits from COVID, but also the fact that inflation is really taking off, particularly in food. General inflation for other costs are increasing. Housing costs have become untenable. If you look at studies that are about rural poverty and those who are financially insecure, Some of the housing costs have not risen just from the 30 affordable to the 60 average in 60% of income 
disposable income in, in cities, but in, for the rural poor, it's gone up to 80%, and that's only going to increase, which means people have less money to be themselves, they have to make difficult choices, and it becomes a real poverty trap where they can't really move forward, they can't look for work, because they're just struggling on this very intense level. There's been some fantastic efforts in the past on Cortez to address food insecure uh, folks. The food bank has been running on a volunteer basis for 20 years with some sterling work by Samantha Stanton. And we've got some new initiatives like Meals on Wheels, some wonderful work being done by Desta uh, in family support. But I, I feel that the, the true need is bigger than is really being served, and we've got the resources to, to serve. So we identified a few things for Meals on Wheels and the food bank. They were urgently in need of storage. They're producing meals that can be frozen and then delivered to people who are in, in any kind of economic crisis or health crisis or whatever. But they had no ability to, to produce large volumes and then freeze them and then have them available to deliver. So we've managed to secure some funding for about three large upright freezers. Recently, that was a $9,000 gift from Strathcona Food Hub. And we worked collaboratively with the food bank and Meals on Wheels and Family Services to get that to happen, which was great. The next step is trying to find out if we can get the food bank to become a member of Food Banks BC. It was, it was always a little bit of a, a tricky issue to get that to happen. It was, it was convoluted to create yet another society, another charitable status organization that needed new board members and all that stuff. So how could we tuck that under an umbrella of another charity or an organization that had a similar mandate? So we're working with Linnea to try and do that. Once we can become members of Food Banks BC, suddenly there's a whole heap of funding that becomes available, not only to help more people on the island, but also build the capacity. So it's not just all volunteer based. We may be able to hire somebody to do something on a uh, part-time basis or even full-time basis to manage the food bank. There might be monies for fuel to deliver food packages to people. We'll, we'll be able to produce better food and more regular food parcels to people. So all these are pretty easy wins. And I think that's the first step in this food security thing. So then researching other islands that have been fairly successful in building food security infrastructure, they tend to have these successful models where there's a food hub of some sort, and that can vary. But often the primary producers, farmers are supplying needs to the food bank. Excess food can be provided for value-added production. So the more co-located and integrated all this stuff is, in a natural setting, and I, I think Linnea Farm is centrally located, they've got a history of, of food production, and they've got a bunch of things that, uh, a bunch of infrastructure already that we can leverage, like a food safe kitchen. So I think we could build something quite interesting around that. Obviously, there's different parts of the island that also can become incorporated at that uh, later stages. But it's what can we achieve this year, what can we build towards going forward? I hope that gives a, a reasonable picture. Okay, I'm looking at this little diagram, which shows farmers and food producers. Yes. 
What's the difference? The farmer is, is again, like the primary production. They're producing carrots or whatever. It could even be uh, seafood. And, and the food producers are sort of value-added food producers, which could be a whole range of things from baking to chocolate makers to whatever. We've got a great set of folks on the island. And as Cedar, we haven't really engaged those folks yet because it's one stage at a time. We'll bring them on if they're interested to build something more sustainable, like a food hub of this sort. And the idea is to have some easily connected infrastructure bits. Could we have a good root cellar there? Could we have enough freezer space that's segregated so that some food producer could be producing stuff that could be sold at the market on Manson's every week, that kind of thing. How can we build that infrastructure to allow some economic development uh, around this? I noticed that you've also got an artisan food store. That's later on in the whole process. That's probably year five. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) This is the chocolate makers, the the people who do some value-added stuff. And around those producers, we could be investigating how do we effectively transport some of the supplies they need? How can we facilitate that to come onto the island so there's raw ingredients that they can't get on the island, like chocolate or whatever? And and how can that be transported cost-effectively to the island, maybe as a joint purchase, there's somewhere to store it and somewhere they can access it and somewhere they can store the food that they produce? in a food-safe environment that's using a certified food-safe kitchen, that kind of thing. So it could be that we produce a, a Cortez-branded produce, but those are all things that can evolve uh, if the infrastructure is there. What about the existing stores, the existing uh, outlets? It wouldn't be competitive to those. Storage is not stores. They're not places people buy stuff. It's literally storage. I think really important part of any food security infrastructure that you build is that it in no way diminishes the economic viability of any stores. So the food bank would be purchasing as much as possible. If it gets funding from Food Banks BC, as much of that would be spent sourcing stuff locally, either from local stores as it does now, it doesn't go into a big box store unless it's can't find anything here. It tends to buy stuff here or produce gift certificates for people to use for fresh produce at local stores. I think that's really, really important. There are lots of unintended consequences of providing uh, subsidized food support in communities, which just destroys um, the local economy. We're very conscious of that. I think this will actually enhance a lot of, a lot of that. For example, the Food Bank BC and, and there's a couple of other government initiatives that will pay local farmers to supply the food banks. They will get paid directly to, and get tax credits and get vouchers for producing food locally for food bank-like organisations. So it could actually create more economic activity, not less, hopefully. I read there was 30 people a week using the food bank. We don't know. I think that's actually further to discussions with Samantha. I think that's a little optimistic. And even that, when you actually break it down as amount of dollars per person per week, it's pretty low. 
We don't have very good data on it. We have anecdotal data that not enough people are being served, that there's still stigma around using food bank or, or getting help, which is a real shame because I think we have to get to a, a, a culture on Cortez or everywhere that there's absolutely no shame. It's in, in 2022, nobody should be food insecure or going hungry or making choices about feeding their kids and not feeding themselves or feeding their pets and not feeding themselves or paying a bill and not feeding themselves. So that shouldn't happen. We need to create as a robust a system on Cortez so that that just vanishes and we can help as many people as possible. Right now, the, the service has been limited by the voluntary capacity of, of Samantha, basically. And she does the best she can, but we don't have data on who needs help. Again, anecdotally, I hear from other agencies on the island that the need is actually way bigger. As previously being on, on the ambulance, my anecdotal observations are that there's a lot more people on the island that are, are, are insecure with food and don't have enough. Obviously, housing is another huge issue, which is very hard to actually deal with because of all sorts of other structural issues. But making sure people don't go hungry is a very simple and easy thing to achieve. Part of going, joining Food Banks BC is we'll actually have to document who we're helping much more carefully, and then we'll start building a big, bigger picture. We also, once we build capacity, we need to start advertising more so we can find out who is out there, who needs it, who knows about it. It's actually quite hard to find the food bank right now. So, But it, if we suddenly had 100 families coming out of the woodwork, we wouldn't be able to help them right now. That's not possible. It would be really useful to hear from people who have either used the food bank, didn't know there was a food bank and would like to use it, have suggestions on ways that the service could be improved, to reach out to me at coordinator at cedar.ca. And I would be very interested in, in hearing about that and trying to make sure we, we either connect you with the food bank or improve services in a way that would be useful. How many people feel that the location works, doesn't work? Do they need delivery? Just, just interesting to hear about their experiences in terms of how often they need the food bank. Is it a seasonal thing? Is it they can find work in the summer, but in the winter it's, it's really tough because of all the other costs and that kind of thing. It'd be very interesting to know. You've been listening to an interview with Felipe Figuera, COVID Recovery Coordinator for CEDA, about steps Cortez Island is taking towards food security in 2022. This is Roy Hales with Cortez Currents. Goodbye. <laughs>